Husky Nation, it's the end of the third quarter. Are you looking for the perfect tequila for your next get-together? The answer is born from a hero. Hero de Leon, direct from the prestigious Murguia family just outside Guadalajara, honoring their great-grandfather who saved Mexico from a horrible civil war. It's authentic, courageous, with great integrity, just like the general. Enjoy the smoothest Blanco tequila you've ever tasted or the rich flavor of our Reposado, aged for seven months in American bourbon barrels. Or the ultimate tequila, our Añejo, which is aged for 18 months in the same bourbon oak barrels. Go to your favorite liquor retailer or restaurant and ask for Hero de Leon because it's always the end of the third quarter. Imported by Zombie Beverages, Mercer Island, Washington. Hey, Husky fans, welcome back to Fourth and Inches, a Husky podcast. My name is Trevor Mueller. With me is UW, Coach V, and Kayla Olin. And Washington is 11-0 and for only the sixth time. Kalen DeBoer has done it twice in two years. Don James did it twice. Rick Neuheisel did it once, and Coach Peterson did it once. So we are in rarefied air right here. Washington went down in an absolute monsoon, beat Oregon State, the number 11 team in the country, 22-20. to that was the wettest game I've ever been at, and it's not close. Being on the sidelines, we were three rows up uh, behind the Washington bench, watching the running backs and the receivers try to figure out how to keep their hands dry and catch the ball in those conditions was insane. This team just finds ways to win. The defense came up huge. Carson Bruner was insane, um, as was Jabbar Muhammad. This game belonged to the defense. They took care of a really good, balanced Oregon State offense. And came out 11 and 0. Kayla, how are you feeling about this? I am very happy, especially because I watched Washington lose to ASU and UCA last year. So I didn't see an 11 and 0 season last year. Yeah. Um, but. Oh, sorry. 11 win season. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Had to get that one in there subtly. Yeah. What but... a moron. <laughs> yeah. Gosh. What did he do? Just travel all weekend to the game and back <laughs> or something? I'm happy. I was terrified. This was the game after the first three weeks of the season. I said that I am terrified for this Oregon State game just because they're they're pissed off about being left out of a Power Five conference. Um, I mean, pissed off about a lot of things. And so this one, especially having such a good team, and a very well head coach with Jonathan Smith. I was terrified. Um, that being said, I'm a little bit nervous looking ahead to the Apple Cup. Not to credit Wazoo. However, you clinch a spot in the championship game. I don't want it to be a trap game. We saw the kind of team that Washington was after an emotional win against Oregon. And now you're kind of going into, okay, well, we, we're in the Pac-12 championship game. You know, like. What's the worst that could happen? Maybe a little bit sleepy, sleeping on Wazoo. I know we're getting ahead of things, but I'm happy, but I'm still nervous all the same. Yeah, Leah did not like I'm, that. <laughs> I respect the opinion. I also was very nervous about this game. This this had all the makings of, like, Oregon State has so much to play for. They have a brand-new stadium. This is the last game that they're hosting in Corvallis as a Pac-12 team with a Pac-12 opponent. It's a big game. Also, we just seem to play Oregon State when there's just the worst weather of the year. Let's yeah. just be honest about that. Last year, there was like what, uh, like an, a weather event because we had swirling winds and rain. We just never get great weather against Oregon State. That's just always the case. And yet, when we have a good coach, when we have very adequate players, we find a way to win. We did it last year. We did it this year. I am somebody who, 
as most of us have experienced during the game, is not exactly the captain of the positivity squad. And I feel extremely confident about the Apple Cup. This game is one that, for whatever reason, the last two major coaching staffs that we've had, I'm discounting the Jimmy Lake year and a half, this game is taken extremely seriously. These kids are old enough to remember what Washington State did on our home field two years ago. I have no, no worry that they will have anything less than the utmost seriousness. They know that this only the only thing that stands away stands in the way between Washington and 12 and 0 season are the hapless Cougars of Washington State who just took out some of their frustrations on the Colorado Buffaloes. And I'm glad they did because now they have experienced a win. They're riding high off of the, what they just did and they're ready for another embarrassing loss at the hands of UW. So no, I, I'm extremely confident about this week. Um, can't wait for Cougar jokes, but yeah, I'm super happy about this game that we just won. That's a big time win. That is what number four on our resume of ranked opponent wins. So this was a great win and hats off to our defense. That was a monster game. I gotta be honest with you. I think that the Beavers were extremely fortunate that it was raining as much as it, it was yesterday. Yeah. I've never seen Jalen Polk miss not only like just like one or two passes, but it just everything was slipping through his gloves. He tried to take the gloves off. Um, the, you know, the fact that, you know, the ball was kind of, you know, difficult to catch and, and both teams were having some struggles with it. And I think uh, Jonathan Smith alluded to the fact that, you know, Washington's defense played pretty well, but also they were helped by the elements. Well, I gotta say, man, your defense was extremely fortunate. Um, we had stuff open all night. It was just very hard to kind of get there. Um, went through some rough stretches. I never thought until maybe the fourth quarter that just this whole year going into this, looking at the schedule, I never doubted for a minute that we we're going to win this game. But uh, the second half, our offense was just incredibly disappointing, I guess is the good word. Um, but no, just relieved 11 and 0. It still counts the same. I don't care what any voters say. I don't care what the, the, the committee says on Tuesday. Quite frankly, if you go on the road and beat a top 10, top 11 team, it doesn't really matter how you get it done. So Cougars are up next. Um, I don't want to sound like a jerk, but um, we're 12-0. and 0. Um, It just has to happen on Saturday. I want to stick with the receivers for a minute because Roma Dunze absolutely had one of those days where it's on, the ESP, it's on ABC. It's 4.30 p.m., 7.30 on the East Coast. Everybody got to see how great he was. Um, the encouraging part, I know that there was a lot of drops in it for good reason, but it was really good to see Jalen McMillan get open again. Yeah, there's a couple times where they went to him. Um, the one down by the goal line. Now, I will say this. I was telling one of my friends this the other day. He was excited about McMillan coming back, and I go, I hope that doesn't mess us up. Our timing, you know, just trying to work somebody in who's who's rusty, you know, you can it can kind of go sideways. Um, that play he had near the goal line where he kind of was slow to decide which direction he was going to come out of his break and and they misfired. And it's like, oh, at least it was an interception. And the play he had along the sidelines where it was it was a tight window. Mike put it right on him and it slipped through his hands, hit him in the face. And that's to be expected because, you know, he's still trying to, you know, get all of his uh, timing back. I really was um, just impressed as hell at Roma Dunze. It just seems like 
he he's such a different player than he was last year. The player last year who was all conference and had a thousand yards. Oh, right. But, you know, we talked to a bunch of us talked over the offseason, like the one thing that he needed to get better at was the contested catch the ball in the air and just using his body better because he's such a freakish athlete. He can kind of do a lot of different things. He is, unless you're absolutely tackling him before the catch, that's his ball. Yeah. And you saw, we saw these Oregon state fans and Oregon fans online today talking about how he pushed off. And it's like, no, dude, this one guy was very adamant. He had a still shot of Rome's arm being extended, but that was right after he got his Jersey pulled. And so I literally did a screen record of every single angle and then replied with a, with a short video. I'm like, at no point is this dude pushing off to gain gain an advantage. If anything, he's just trying to get that dude's hands off of him. But Rome is a stud. He's the best receiver in the in the, in the nation right now. Um, the only reason uh, Harrison's getting all the hype is because Ohio State is a name brand school that everybody's kind of comfortable with, and he's their only dude. So they got to find a yep. way to prop him up a little bit. Rome's the best receiver in the country right now. And this is another example, Coach, of taking a two-decade break in our marketing, and this is where it hurts you with this kind of situation where Marvin Harrison has no business being in this conversation. It should be Rome. And the reason that he is is because of the branding. That's it. And not to say he's not a great talent and he's not going to be a top five pick in the draft and really good player. But, I mean, he's Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah. A Hall of Fame wide receiver. He goes to Ohio State. It, you know, he's the only thing they have on offense, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, Amek is there, obviously, but they have a young quarterback. And, you know, they're they're strictly like they're a defensive team that has some speed on offense. But I mean, come on, man. And he's also not sharing, you know, I mean, Jalen Polk's going to be a, a thousand yard receiver as well. And, uh, you know, he's not sharing the spotlight with another guy who's another thousand yard receiver on that team. Yeah, and really he stole the spotlight this week with being only the only one of those guys with the catch. The only other receiver with the catch was Charles Jackson, which was huge at the time uh, to keep the chains moving. But outside of that, it was seven for 106 to Rome. Giles had one for 10. Tybo had one for three. And Jack Westover had four for 43. And that play where Penix gets out of traffic throws the ball. That was right where we were sitting. I don't know how he saw him other than he just knew that's where Jack was supposed to be on that play. It was in my opinion, one of the bigger plays of the, of, of the evening. And he just like saw him out of the corner of his eye and then he had like, to go off the wrong foot and just kind of layered it in there somehow. That was, I was like, no, 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 no. Oh, okay. Okay. Cool. 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 Yeah, I think that, I mean, not really shocked that Rome does what Rome does, that he brings ball down in double coverage, getting mugged, not getting mugged. He's always making plays happen. Um, Jack Westover continues to come in clutch in big situations. It's great that Washington, he's kind of the, I feel like every year Washington has a walk-on story and that's him this year for Washington. Again, I understand that it's raining. It's really hard to use that as an excuse for receivers when they practice in the rain very consistently, Um, probably more often than Oregon 
in Oregon State do. But that being said, I think that he should find ways to pull those balls in when you do have the practice. I know Kalen DeBoer and company, they won't practice inside when it's raining out because they know the elements they're going to be playing in. And so that's kind of probably one of the biggest critiques that I would maybe knock the receivers for a little bit. And then also I'm a big fan, Trevor, as you know, of yards after a catch and only having 53 is not that good, especially if you compare it to Oregon State with 110 yards after catch. So whether that's good defense by Oregon State, bad defense by Washington, which wasn't really the case, I think that there just could have been a little bit more, you know, some of that from them because in a big game situation, that's going to make a world of difference for a first down or not, especially in long situations. Yeah, and then going over to the other side, watching uh, DJ Ugalungale. I know I said that wrong. Sorry, Leah. Um, DJ, you having uh, just a really hard time for most of the afternoon. The reason why there was so many yards after the catch is the fact that Washington was so aggressive against the run that they were really susceptible to that screen pass. And they had at least three or four of those that went for big yards. I get it. I know why uh, Washington was played the defense that they did because they had to try to contain, uh, especially Damian Martinez, who, you know, had himself a really, really good game. But when Washington needed to stop, they ended up getting it. DJ, I can't believe on that fourth down play they didn't do another quarterback draw because it worked for him, I think, three straight times. Washington had a chance on one of them to get DJ down, and he just stepped out of the tackle. He's a big dude. Down the field, though, his balls kind of looked like ducks. Um, The defense, I think, I, they were also obviously aided by the rain because I, I'm I'm sure his balls usually don't look that bad coming out of his hand, but you know, there were a lot of plays where the Oregon State receivers had a couple of steps on Washington, and because of the way that the ball was thrown, Washington was able to catch up and knock the ball away. Yeah, it seems like most of the time when they had the ball, um, particularly at times where they had momentum, our defense was able to stop them with, it, with very few exceptions. DJ, DJU, DJ Uyagalale, as Trevor was trying to say. Um, he's a big human being and he is really difficult to get down. And at the same time, we were able to step in front of his passes a couple of times, shout out Jabbar Muhammad, who absolutely should be in contention for national defensive player of the week. Yes, for sure. Um, I'm not sure that he will because he has a block W on his helmet, but that's a separate issue at the same time. Like, you know, we've, we've got to be better at open field tackling. I think we can all agree about that. But at the same time, whenever we needed to stop, we got it. So uh, yeah, it, it was just, it, it was tough. Like we've got, we've got some things we need to work on. Absolutely need to work on that for this week and certainly for the Pac-12 championship game. But ultimately we did just enough to, to secure the win. I, the, the disappointing thing for me was getting a turnover the first position out of halftime and not capitalizing it in any way. That just irked me so much. But, you know, we were able to hang on for dear life and win by two, but we should have won by much more than that. Uh, to kind of go off that point is, you know, you're up 22 to 10 coming out of half and you had a few opportunities to take all of the wind out of Oregon State sales. It should not have come down to the last few minutes. And this team 
again, I understand the elements. I understand that there's injuries on the defensive side, some key injuries. However, not having any points in the second half is unacceptable because that that was the turning point for Oregon State is they were able to feel themselves coming back into the game. And, you know, if that field goal is made, you're still only winning by five. There's still some momentum there for Oregon State. And I think that that's something that needs to be figured out ASAP because with a Heisman contender as a quarterback and what the, what Leah's saying is with Rome, who should be in talks for national player of the year for a wide receiver. I mean, there's just really no excuse. I don't think. Yeah. And I mean, after the interception on the first drive of the third quarter, you're a false start away from going kicking that field goal. And I think that really can change the momentum. The other part of it is the fact is Washington didn't have very many possessions in the second half. That third quarter, when they missed the field goal, Oregon State almost had the ball for 10 straight minutes. And that drive felt very much like what Oregon did to Washington in 2022, where they just took the ball, took the air out of the ball and executed a little bit better than Oregon did and and ended up getting the touchdown to make it close. But then to come out after having to sit on the sidelines in that, I can't explain how wet and cold it was. And to have them go right out there and then immediately get a three and out was brutal. And it put the defense in a terrible position. The time of possession was like 37-22. Yeah, I think and- that time of possession, to your point, Trevor, like I actually don't really care because I actually feel like their offense isn't that good. But where it hurts us is the defense is on the field for so long and our offense gets cold. To your point, you cannot articulate how cold and windy and rainy it was and that that negatively affects the defense because they're they're gassed and then the offense loses steam. So both ways. But man, the defense freaking stepped up whenever there was an opportunity to make a big stop. I think Carson Bruner, Jake and I were kind of tallying up during the game. He had three three shots where he just shot a gap and got Damian Martinez before he could get started. And then, of course, he forced the fumble uh, that Jabbar ended up picking up. I mean, he had such a good game. Um, I, I thought he was he was the best player on the field for a lot of that game. Dominic Hampton had a great game as well. He was around the ball a lot. Obviously, Jabbar made some huge plays, but Carson Bruner was consistently in the right spot. Of course, a player like Martinez is going to get out of a few tackles, and and he did miss a couple. But overall, this defense held a really good offense to 20 points. And I think that that's something that, as the committee looks at this, it's a bad weather game. The defense, yet again, takes a team that can play play offense and and holds them in the second half. I don't know, Trevor. I, I don't think you can discount the rivalry between Florida State and North Alabama. I don't know. Touche. Yeah, back to Bruner. Um, I've been kind of frustrated in the fact that I feel like he comes off the bench and he's in for some key stuff. He kills it on special teams, but he's should, in my mind, I feel like he's one of the best, you know, one of the top two guys that needs to be on the field at all times. And it's, you know, we, we I mean, we've got Eddie, we've got Alphonse, and we've got, you know, Railing Goforth, and I get it. <clears throat> Excuse me, but if anything, what we saw yesterday is when you just throw them out there and just let them run around, good things are going to happen. 
Yeah. I mean, 14 tackles. He had a strip for a fumble right after we turned the ball over while I was screaming at my TV at DJ the entire run saying, switch the ball. Yeah. Switch the ball. And of course he didn't switch to the outside hand and got stripped. But then, you know, Carson goes and gets the ball back for us. And then, you know, on the interception, on the first interception, um, he tipped the ball. I mean, God, he tipped that ball like 20 feet in the air. Yeah. And Jabbar went and, you know, picked it off right before the half. And it just seems like, man, this kid's everywhere. He's faster than you think he is. He might be yeah. the fastest linebacker we have. And Randall's pretty quick. But <clears throat> overall, I mean, I've been so hard on the defense. And while they are not perfect, and my gosh, we have a lot of injuries. I think we were playing our third, fourth safeties. Yeah. Uh, they were on the field most of the second half, and they didn't break. There and was a situation where Dom came out. He got nicked up, banged up or something, and he came off, and Tristan Dunn was on the field in a high-leverage situation. Uh, and I think Tristan Dunn's going to be a really good player for this team, but in that situation, this late in the year, with that few of reps, that made me really nervous, and Dom came in the next play. Right. Yeah, Dom had a great game, too. Gosh, we're going to miss that guy next year. I just yeah. hope that we kind of, you know, replace him. But, you know, you know my history. I've, I've, I've been aware of him since he was killing my guys in seven-on-sevens in the Valley. And, uh, you know, just the heart of these guys to just be on the field the entire game and to, you know, Thule made a lot of big plays. Yep. Uh, Jacob. Tully tackled the guy when he was on the ground. Did you see yeah. that? Yeah, he took his legs right out. That's yeah. perfect. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, it's an interesting thing because I kept thinking, I, I just kept thinking about the entire week was what's going to happen to Oregon State? Where are they going to be next year? I know they think they're going to get the big pot of gold when she, and split it with Wazoo and they're just going to be, they're going to be set for life. But that's not really how this is going to go down. And, I started thinking about, man, I feel bad for some of these guys who are just studs. And I mean, are they going to leave? Are they going to stick with the team? You know, no matter where they go. And I fully expected to get their best shot yesterday. And I think, uh, you know, I think we got it, but I think we're still a much better team. We're much better than, you know, two points better, but Hey, I just, for once I would like to have a game where we don't have weather we don't have the flu. We don't have some nonsense excuse to where we can kind of give, you know, oh, well, it's because of this. Meanwhile, has Oregon played in so much of like, like even a, like a shower? Like they got a, a couple raindrops in Seattle when we beat them. But I mean, and they missed the kick during the little Oregon. rainstorm they got. What's that? And yeah. They missed the kick during the little, little no. trickle they got. The trip to coaches point, they have not had a drop, basically. They don't have any age. injuries unless they Nothing. fake them on the field. <laughs> Shout out to Ferguson. Yeah. Shout thoughts and prayers. I'm just glad those guys are okay. I, I thought they were dead. <laughs> and then um, they, they get clear skies every game, and they seem to, like, just kind of have this easy path. That's why everybody thinks they're so gosh darn adorable and so great and you know, people keep saying, who do you want to play? You want to play Arizona? You want to play Oregon? I want to play freaking Oregon again. I have booked I my it. flight. I have booked my hotel for Vegas. I, I love it. I, I just want to walk around and see all the Duck fans and smile on their faces and be like, can't wait. Can't wait. 
because I have full confidence that when this team is actually pushed by by an equal, that they're going to turn it back on again. And I think that they're getting better and they're getting they're kind of figuring out some things. But the time for like messing around is over. Agreed. We're going to have some, we're going to have really good weather uh, as far as uh, there's no going to be, there's no weather events. It's going to be pretty clear skies. There's going to not going to be any wind. So I fully anticipate an unholy smackdown um, against Washington state this Saturday. At the same time, I completely agree with you coach. I have been saying that to Jason for weeks that like just once I'd like to see Oregon play a team that they should absolutely curb stomp and have something happened somebody get mildly injured or have wind or rain nothing mm-hmm. nothing so they can say like well we we just completely boat raced arizona state what'd you guys do like you know look, look what you look what happened to you guys in utah look what we did and it, it it doesn't feel like a fair comparison i just don't think we're and i don't know how deeply you want to get into this but as a coach i have some problems with the way our offense is running right now I feel like we've become too obsessed with everything outside the hashes. Mm. And it's that we have a quarterback that can put the ball out there and we have these great receivers, but oh my God, the middle of the field is wide open every single play. We have so many options. I thought thought we would kind of go back to it and hit the seams a little bit more because people were just kind of like, they're coming up and they're all full of crap. They're like, oh, we're going to bring six. We're going to bring seven. And then they just bail out. There are immediate opportunities to, to just steal yardage in the middle of the field. There's, there are opportunities to use that QB power with the H lead more than when they score the touchdown. A little pin and pull, the running back leads, and Mike goes around the corner. Um, he utilized his legs a few times uh, last night, but I feel like we're just kind of stuck in a rut where we're really good, and even if we don't get it this time, we're eventually going to hit you for 50 yards down you know, on the post, or on the nine route, we don't really need to kind of run a a normal offense and just go ten plays to beat you. I'm sorry, but this is this is what is was slowing us down right now. Do you think it's just an arrogance thing? I think it's just a laziness thing. I think that you kind of fall into these things, and you know, I mean, we haven't been punished for it yet. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, we haven't lost yet because of it, and we come close, but. <laughs> Um, when you have Rome and Jalen on the outside, it, I, I get it. Like if you're in the schoolyard and you have the two fastest kids at recess, you're just going to keep throwing bombs to them. I get it. How cool is it though, to, on the other side of that, how cool is it that Washington has a dominant receiver right now that you feel that the offense, that the offense according to the quarterback feel really good about just putting on an island and allowing him to go make a play? It's a, it's a fine luxury to have. But also, I feel like they're they're drawing enough attention to where you can go elsewhere. But here's the, here also one more point. I don't want to sound like too much of a know-it-all because a lot of these times, even we're not connecting, there's no safety help over the top. Right. Like, for some reason, they're not doubling Rome on every single play. Well, and, and I, then I think it got lazy a little bit, too, to your point on the two point conversion where it was just like a, a, a sort of, it wasn't a fade or it wasn't a back shoulder. I wasn't sure what the throw was intended to be to Rome, but it seemed like it was, I don't know, a little bit. Um, on a two point conversion, you don't throw a 50, 50 ball. Yeah. Cause a 50, 50 ball really isn't a 50% chance that you're going to complete it. You're, you're, you're hoping for 
either he's going to go up and make a tremendous play or you're going to get a flag. Right. And you could have back shouldered it. You could have thrown a slant. You could have just done something completely different. But I hate the fade ball and a two point conversion. Outside of that, this game belonged to the defense. Um, I just, I'm, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm flabbergasted by it. Let's go around and uh, give me your offensive and defensive MVPs. Uh, we'll start on on the offensive side of the ball and finish with the real stars of the show. Uh, Kayla, who do you got? Um, offensive, I am probably gonna go. Gosh, it's hard because you want to say Rome because he looked so freaking good. But I think all of Jack Westover's catches happened to keep drives alive, which helped lead to points for Washington and extending drives and the ball out of Oregon State's hands. So, I mean, Rome is the offensive MVP for the season for sure, but I'm going to go Jack. I have to go with uh, Mike's quote to Holly Rowe after the game. Shout out my O-line. I ain't get touched all night. That's my love group, and those guys are absolute studs, and I know, Coach, you're going to call me out for being a cheat by not calling out an individual O-lineman, but those guys are all absolute studs because, let's be honest here, Oregon State led the nation in sacks, and Mike is absolutely right. He barely got touched, so shout out that group. We are absolutely not walking out of here with a win without them, so that O-line. Man, Scott Huff, shout out to you. Yeah, I'm going to – I'm just going to say that um, you are a cheater because you picked the offensive line again um but that's okay um I thought they played great and yeah he did not get touched um Rome's obviously you know the easy choice but I'm gonna say DJ because after the fumble you know it was it was amazing because you know coach kind of pulled him aside and basically said hey man I need you don't yeah. you know don't go into the tank right now we we absolutely need you and he did enough and I know that this that they were slipping all over the field there were times where we had a big hole and it just, we couldn't hit it up there because, you know, the footing was a little uncertain, but he just kept fighting. He just kept fighting. He just kept saying, all right, here, I'm going to take this. I thought the tight ends all did a really good job too. Maybe not as far as like a lot of catches, but just kind of paving the way and, and helping that max protect stuff where, uh, you know, uh, more is just invaluable there. And, you know, and Dylan, you know, another great game pass protecting. So yeah. I'm going to go. Um, I'm going to go with whoever made the final call to throw the game winning toss to Roma Dunes and Mike Penix. I guess it's, it's not an MVP and I know I said MVP, but that's absolutely the gutsiest call of the day and they made it and they executed it perfectly. Um, I did like that people even outside of Washington were calling that, like the Heisman moment of the game, even though, you know, he didn't even have 200 yards passing. He did enough in that just terrible, terrible uh, situation. And that, that game was so messy and uh, to execute that play where they did to win the game was excellent. And on the other side, it looked like they had a pretty good receiver screen set up that was going to get them the first down, but they went for the jugular and uh, I give them kudos for that defensive side of the ball. Leah, why don't you start this time? Oh man, you're going to give me an, you're going to give me the first chance at this. This is uh -huh. going to be easy for me, man. I, I feel really blessed right now, but it's got to be the national defensive player of the week, Jabbar Muhammad. Yeah. This guy was absolutely not, not only did he intercept two balls and actually absolutely clean up the, the fumble that Carson Brunner caused, but the SWAT that that guy got his range he was absolutely nasty all night. And we don't win this game without Jabbar Muhammad. 
He is absolutely, to me, the national defensive player of the week and certainly the defensive player of the game. Leah? Uh, Kayla? Uh, so you call me Leah, so I can say Jabbar as well, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, obviously Jabbar. But if uh, we're kind of spreading that love around, I am, gosh, I've got to go Carson Bruner. I think he's outstanding. I've always been a big Carson Bruner fan. And he was put into a situation where he doesn't really get the opportunity to start, but with Tupatala out as like a last minute scratch, it's not like he was practicing it all week long. And he came in and he looked like a true starter and he just, he laid down some wood and I love a big hitter. Now, does anybody know why Alfonso was out? Cause he was on the sidelines in street clothes. Was it a disciplinary or was there an injury or did, did the coach say anything about that? They said he got banged up this week. Okay. Uh, coach, who's yours? Well, first of all, Trevor, I'd love to just let you know that I love going last on all of these. I'm going last this time. Yeah, but yeah. Are you though? so, <laughs> um, no, you know what? I, it's okay because I had a dude in mind. Uh, Thule, uh, was a beast. He had some splash plays, but he was just really consistent. You know, they kept, I think the announcers said about 18 times that he was on a quote unquote pitch count, um, where they were limiting his snaps to like 30 or so. But when he was in the game, it was just night and day. And it's no disrespect to anybody else in the rotation, but when he's in, it's a different ball game. And I know that, Mar- you know, Martinez and that running game were really good, but he had some big time plays that, I mean, we held him to 20 points. And all those plays that Carson Bruner was making and all those guys behind him, and when Dom came up and supported the run game, you got to have you got to have somebody keeping those guys clean. And I feel like between him and 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 Braylon Trice, this just it's a lot to handle for an offensive line. You're 100 percent correct. I'm glad you mentioned Braylon Trice. Dom Hampton is another one having a massive game. Uh, but I'm gonna go with Josh Cuevas. His hit on the returner uh, in the second in the second half was it was it it took the air out of the stadium and. I looked and saw the number who did it and was like, oh my God, that's a tight end. That was such a huge hit. It was yet again, another reason why this team is 11 and 0 is they're great on special teams as well. And you see a tight end out there making plays. Richard Newton, I don't think has carried the ball once this year. Uh, he's on special teams. Uh, special teams matters. And it's a, uh, it's it's a, a a positive position group for the first time in a while, I feel like, where the return game is good uh and the kick coverage is great. So Josh Cuevas, that's he embodies everything about every single one of those guys that put a big hit on somebody this year. I'm actually my defensive MVP because after that super long drive in the third quarter and the one in the fourth quarter, the second I went to the bathroom, Washington got a stop. So I spent the entire last half when Washington was on defense in the bedroom, not watching. So nice work. Thanks. I take one for the team. I take one for the team. Excellent. (laughs) Richard had a really incidental accidental tackle um, on our own return man when he uh, was out blocking and he turned and like he, he was going to block this way, but then he decided to go the other way and he cut him off and, 
might have stopped a really big return. It, was, it wasn't his fault. He couldn't see in his rearview mirror, but I was like, oh, oh there's Richard. That's cool. Oh. Poor guy. Um, anybody have any closing thoughts about this game before we move on that I didn't cover? I have a, gained a lot more respect for Oregon State. I really thought they were always a really good team, but Jonathan Smith is proving himself to really be an outstanding coach, and we sure wish them well next week. Um, it would be really neat to see Oregon lose or win by one uh, so that our win could look that much better. But uh, nothing but positive things to say about Oregon State. I'm, I I hope that they are they continue to be very nice fans and that they continue to allow us to beat them every so often. I have too many tangents, one relating to Oregon State. <laughs> um, I'm not going to name names, but somebody had said that when Kalen is done at Washington, uh, whether it's he's there for a long time and retires or he gets hired elsewhere, uh, Jonathan Smith is the next head coach at UW. True or false? Like, do you see that happening? Do you see him leaving his alma mater to come back to Washington? Hard pass. No, he's not coming to Washington. Trevor's thinking about it. It's a nice thought, but I don't know. I think for us going to the Big Ten and, you know, who knows what, what their program's going to look like in the next couple of years or, or how he's going to be able to, if he's going to even stay there. I know that some Michigan State fans were debating whether or not he would be a good candidate. But I think, like, by the time that happens, I think we'll be well past that and there'll be other candidates that come along. Probably some guys who are still in high school right now because I think Kalen's going to be here for at least another decade. Yeah, I think that, yeah, it dep- Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think that the time for him to come to Washington would be soon if it's going to happen. Uh, I know he loves Oregon State. There's also rumors about UCLA already, and if he gets the UCLA job, what is UCLA to Washington? It's, 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 this, it's a lateral move. So I don't think so, and it's not because there wouldn't be interest. I just think that, the timing is going to be off. I mean, kind of like uh, who's who's the coach? He was the coach at with Seattle for a year, and and he's now he's at UConn. He was at UCLA as well. Uh, Jim Mora, uh, where the the stars really never aligned for it to happen. So I guess it it there'd probably be interest, but it would be hard to pry him out of there. I could just see the ties as kind of a full circle moment for him being an OC going, getting a head coaching job, say Oregon State never makes it into a big power conference again, kind of taking that step up to go compete in the Big Ten for his former school. The 30 for 30 writes itself. (laughs) (laughs) I do want to say that this is my favorite trip that I've taken for an away game since, you know, I've been traveling. And I've always had a great time in Eugene. I had a good time in at Stanford, but man, the especially just the way that we did it taking jake's camper down with our dads and being around such great fans all weekend you know we were about two miles away from the stadium and so there was like this tailgate that happened started on friday night and it went until sunday morning and we went to different places we went to different whoever had a fire going that's where we ended up because it was really cold but that, you know, even the weather, the weather was terrible at, at game time, but up until that it was sunny and cold. It was great. So I, I loved Corvallis. The fans for the most part were absolutely incredible, uh, coming out of that with a win. Fantastic. 
Washington moves up in the AP poll to number four. Do you guys expect that to continue going into Tuesday? Yes. I think that if we're not number four on Tuesday, to quote Nigel Burton on Pac-12 After Dark, we all need to like burn candles, burn a couple trees, and start rioting because this committee is already pretty corrupt, but it will absolutely reveal itself to be 100% corrupt if Washington road win at number 11 Oregon State does not allow them to catapult themselves into number four after Florida State played the mighty northern Alabama. I don't even know what their mascot is. And one it's a cat, some sort of cat. Oh. <laughs> not not only that, but what are they going to think about Jordan Travis and his yeah. going forward and having a young quarterback moving forward? Like do you is that the team you want to put in the playoff? If you had any doubts about Florida State before, you take their best player off that team. And then what do you think their chances are? So I, I was watching that uh, uh, college football final show this morning. And they just kind of like play it on a loop on Sunday mornings before the football stuff comes on. And it was Joey Galloway, mm-hmm. uh, Dan Mullen, and then the host. And they all had Washington either at two or three. Yeah, I saw that. And they all dropped Michigan out because they're, they're just tired of it. Michigan... <laughs> had every every chance in the world to lose that game against uh Rutgers yesterday or no sorry Maryland yesterday and tomato, uh, tomato. yeah this is whatever northeastern schools that somehow got into the big thing <laughs> like, like these west coast pretenders are coming in next year but no I mean they just they look like garbage I can't believe that anybody ever thought their quarterback was a Heisman candidate they can't throw the ball against anybody with a pulse and well, you know, their coach isn't there. Like, well, that's because you're all cheaters. And maybe that's why y'all look so suspect right now is because you don't know what the other team's doing. Yeah. I mean, what the heck? So, you know, the only thing that makes this thing kind of fall apart is if Michigan somehow beats Ohio State this week. And then it's like, okay, you got to take one of those teams out. Because if if Michigan loses, then they were the pretenders that everybody thought they were. And if they win, then what does that say about Ohio State? So, honest to goodness, I don't think it's going to matter, but we still need to win the next two games, and we'll be – I'm, I'm going to say this right now. If we are fortunate enough to beat Washington State and then win the Pac-12 championship against Oregon or Arizona, we're going to be, at worst, a three seed and probably a two. Yeah. I completely agree, Coach. There's no excuse. I think, you know, obviously – Either Ohio State or Michigan have to lose on Friday, Saturday. And so we should we should move up to number three. And if we go 13-0 and against the conference schedule that we have faced, if we twice beat number six, Oregon, we are at, at worst number three, possibly and probably number two. I agree with you. That was kind of going to be my other small tangent is, do you see if Washington drops either the Apple Cup or the Pac-12 championship game, is there a chance that Washington can still make it in the CFP or based off the rankings that we are seeing, not today. No, no, no. Even if Washington drops the Apple Cup but wins the championship game. There would have um, to be a cascading of yeah. like weird losses, uh, just systems failures all over the place for that to happen. Um, and I don't know if that's going to happen. I mean, Florida State would have to lose the ACC championship. They will. Michigan, you know, falls out. Let's say that. Um, Bama absolutely cannot beat Georgia. 
in the uh, SEC championship. There's just a lot of things. Texas might have to lose. It's just, you know, it's chaos. And At the, the same time, if we lose the Pac-12 championship game, I will be hoping that Bama beats Georgia. So two SEC teams go in and Oregon gets left out. <laughs> uh, oh, that's a, that's a tall order. I don't um, think it is. I think Bama would have the best win of the season and you're not going to eliminate Georgia. That would that would put them in a tough spot. Uh, here's my tangent. Is this the first time in this rivalry that you're going to be rooting for Ohio State? It is for me. Well, that was an interesting noise from Kayla. Yeah. I mean, no, unfortunately. Man, I like Justin Fields when he was at Ohio State. Okay. So I was Ohio State. Team Ohio State against Michigan when he was there. So when I lived in uh, Florida, I used to teach next door to a guy who was from Muskegon, Michigan, and we were really good friends. And we would watch that game every single year. And I would like sit next to him as he was just in agony and disbelief that they could never get over the hump against Ohio State. So I tended to root for Michigan because, you know, whatever. It's just Ohio State, their fans are kind of obnoxious. And you're just sort of like, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I will 100% be rooting for Ohio State for two reasons. One, because screw Michigan at this point. Yep. And number two, I would love to play the Rose Bowl against Ohio State and have Rome and Jalen Polk going against, you know, Mr. Harrison himself. And it'll be a little bit different because, you know, we've got two of them and we have a quarterback. So I just feel like, I'm still pissed off that we ran out of time against the uh, Buckeyes the last time we were in the Rose Bowl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was a great night and I, I, the great day, and I loved every moment of it except the final score. I'm still pissed at Chris Peterson for uh, only getting Gaskin the ball five times in the first half, but we're not going to go into that. I just I want some payback, and uh, I want it now. I, want it I would com- completely echo that, Coach. I went to the Rose Bowl when my personal situation was very different. And I did not have a very fun experience at that. And I would love another opportunity to have a great experience with my family at the Rose Bowl. Um, And again, against Michigan State, I didn't have a problem with their fans. They were pretty nice to us. They actually, when we were walking into the game, we were chit-chatting and they said, well, you're way, we are way better and way, way more classier than Oregon, which was like, well, obviously we're, we're not Satan's butthole. So I don't, I'm not surprised by that, but um, at the same time, yeah, I would love to see the Rose Bowl. The Rose Bowl is always the goal. If you're at Washington, uh, and I'm a matchup with a Big Ten school is always the goal. And yeah, I mean, like Michigan has deemed themselves or Jim Harbaugh deemed himself America's team. And let's be honest, that's just crap. No, I will absolutely, Trevor, be rooting for a house state this year, which makes my skin crawl, but I'm going to do it. I can't wait to come back and get ready for this Apple Cup. Everything is right in front of Washington. They should be number four in the nation going into it with their destiny totally in their control. Everybody in the national media is going to continue their narrative around the other teams, even with Washington one step away from being the first team in the Pac-12 era to go 12-0. and Arguably against the best the conference has been the most healthy the conference has ever been in its final season and washington has a chance to show that they're the best uh i had an oregon state fan talk to me about uh when we when we went 12 and 0 the opposite way and i quoted leah saying that we're even the best at being the worst and we have a chance to close out the conference (laughs) 
doing something that nobody else did and going to the college football playoff and having a chance to win, even when the predictor says that Washington's like a, there's a 70% chance of Oregon state and Josh Pate saying that we're 15th in the, in his little poll, we will beat the Cougs. That's what matters. Then we'll move on to Las Vegas. So enjoy your Thanksgiving. We'll be out with a preview. <clears throat> Listen to it. Let's have a great time this week. Go dogs. Go dogs. Go dogs. 11 and 0. UW's body count on Pac-12 contention has reached three. Thoughts and prayers, OSU. We are Beaver Bereavers. Go dogs.